Welcome to Real Weddings with Sarah. I'm Sarah Kennedy from Irish Wedding Blog, one of Ireland's leading sources for wedding inspiration, advice and support. Real Weddings with Sarah brings you an inside snoop of some of Ireland's best-loved personalities and celebrity weddings. Join me as I indulge on all of the wedding goss. You are so welcome to this new season of Real Weddings with Sarah. And thank you all for tuning in to all of the other episodes. They are all still very much available for you to listen to. Now, this series in particular, I'm going to be switching things up a little. So normally, if you're an avid listener to the podcast, you would be used to me chatting to people who are just about to get married or who've gotten married. But don't worry, that will continue. But over the next while... I'm going to be teaming up with some of, I suppose, our industry experts to talk through really the ins and outs of their specific fields. So from venues to cakes to suits to jewellery, makeup, finance, you name it, I'm going to be covering it, which I really think there's a big need for at the moment now that everything is back up and running and thriving. But today, before we get into all of those different areas, I want to lay the foundations for you. And I think they're very important foundations. And I want to talk about just getting started. So before you spend a penny, before you go mad, before you get swept up and everything, I think it's really, really important to lay the right foundations and structure yourself so that you're built for success. So I'm going to be covering that. And I think one thing I've really noticed, I've been doing a lot of events lately. And the one thing that just keeps coming up is this 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 need for information and also the amount of overwhelm out there for people just starting out and just starting on their wedding planning journey. And I can understand how it can be because I suppose there's so much information. Um, There's a lot of, you know, constraints, whether it's lack of availability, prices going up, uncertainty in general in the economy. All of these different things are causing a great deal of overwhelm. So what I want to do is settle your minds to say it doesn't need to be this way and look at some strategies around how we do that and it's all around the early planning and that mind mapping piece and I know this can sound cliche and look if you want to call it manifesting your big day I don't really care what you call it but once you've got the tools and kind of just that sort of reflection time this doesn't have to be a big project this can be a few minutes where you just simply get together after having your dinner over a cup of tea but it doesn't have to be complicated and I think that's really really important Now, as I covered this off in the first chapter of my book, this is pretty much it. And this is what I'm going to talk you through at the moment. Right. So I break down my the the wedding process into three parts. Number one is that big picture. Number two is the shopping around. And number three is the physical, you know, shop and contract. Step two and step three are they go through different waves and iterations through the whole thing. They always reflect back on what was our big picture. When I'm talking about big picture, it's that picture of what you have in your head for your big day. So when you close your eyes and think of yourself uh, in your wedding day around your guests, what is that day? What you tend to find with a lot of couples is that sometimes what you're visualizing versus what your partner is visualizing might be two different things. So it's really good at that point to start thinking about, well, I see the day going like this and I see the day going like this. I want a really small intimate wedding with 40 people versus I want a big wedding with 200 people. 
this is where these conversations start to start to go. You don't want to get as far as jumping in to see a venue and only really having that discussion while you're there on site. It's a waste of your time. And time is money. And you have to remember that every time you go to a viewing, that's about an hour to two hour between getting there, getting home and actually going and seeing the place. So you really want to be as time efficient as you can in this process. So this early stage now, look, I know loads of people love mood boards. You can do that. I had a scrapbook because <laughs> like, I'm old school. You can have a Pinterest board. You can have all of those different things. It doesn't matter. Get a piece of paper, write down what and talk out loud about what that final end day is. Big, small, you know, you know, traditional, non-traditional, whatever works for you. But before you even pick up a phone to a supplier and start throwing deposits down, I strongly advise that you both just sit down and start thinking about a couple of number key components before you get to that stage. Number one is, is there something for both of you that's a non-negotiable, right? It's the it's it's your thing. So, for example, some might be I've seen such and such band. That's the band. Like, I don't care where we get married. I don't care what date, but I have to have that band. Great. Another one might be it has to be that venue. I've grown up in that venue. I know them really well. That's great. Tick. Another one might even be as simple as, you know, I'm definitely having, we're definitely having our honeymoon in Mexico, whatever it might be, right? These are the sort of things, non-negotiables write down. Other non-negotiables are more around what you want out of your day. So one might be, it has to be about the food, right? It has to be about the food or it has to be about the entertainment. It has to be this, right? These are just concepts that you want to just log, right? So. And they'll always come back to it because this is where you're starting to grind down. These are our values for our day. This is what we want and this is what we expect because what you tend to find when you go to shop, there's so many opportunities for you to compromise on the things you really want because you feel like, oh God, that date's not free. So therefore we have to settle on this or we have to settle on that. When you're spending nearly 30,000 euros on something, you don't want to be settling for anything, right? Hold your values. So couple of things before you set out on your maiden voyage and you start looking at and venues are really going to be your first port of call in line with booking your ceremony etc the first thing you're going to have to really think about is your numbers how many people are you going to be inviting and you can expect drop off it can be anything from 10 to 20 percent who knows depends on your bridal party but numbers you need to have a ballpark figure of what you're going to be shopping for because Everything from a venue perspective, which is the bulk of your money, is going to be priced per head. And that is really where the crux of your budget is going. And also, a lot of venues would have what's called minimum numbers. So if your numbers are coming in at 80 and they've got a minimum number of 120, you're going to be that 40 people shy of meeting their requirements for you to be able to hold your wedding that day. Now, either you still fully pay for that, but some venues will say no, because that other 40 people are going to be a loss of X amount to our bar. So we're just not going to take the wedding. Right. It can really vary. But you really need to understand these are our numbers. And actually having parameters around your numbers are a really good idea, too. So you could say, look, we want to have 120, but if we're pushed with the max we're going to go to is 140 to meet a minimum requirement and the lowest we're going to go to is 60. Right. Whatever that might be. Have that sort of piece. and also. Some couples will find that they start to agree to disagree or they just completely disagree. You'll need to find a compromise that's right for you when it comes to the day. So just 
I can't tell you what that compromise is going to be. But sometimes where you've got a couple where one wants a really small wedding and then the other wants the big party, you could find a compromise to say, well, during the day for the meal, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and just have an intimate meal for 40 people and then open it up and have a much bigger party in the evening. And that way, both of you are getting catered for. Now, it's to try find a venue at this moment in time that will take the numbers like that. But when you start shopping around, you'll start to get a sense of that. But numbers are really where it starts from. The next is your budget. Now, the rough average cost of a wedding in Ireland is 30,000. But that's not to say that's what you spend. You could be spending saying, hell no, are we going over 10,000, 15,000? Or do you know what? Ours is going to end up coming in at near 50. That's completely up to you. It's well within your rights as a couple to mark your budget and what's amenable for you. But what you do need to start thinking about is, well, how are we going to fund it? So when you're thinking of your budget, both of you need to be really open. How much have we got saved already that we can join in? You may find you've already got between you 5,000, 10,000, whatever, right? And then you're working back from that. Take an estimate of what a rough per head price is for any venue. So you could say even 100 euro, indicatively 100 euro per head, what you might say. And you're going to work that out, 100 euro per head, and we want 100 people. Okay, great. There's a starting point of what you think, right? Now, if you're thinking that an average wedding is 30K, right, including dresses, honeymoons, all the rest, right? You have to think about, okay, well, if we have 10,000, we still need to get another 20, which means that over the course of one year, we've got we've got only 12 months to save 20,000. What you have to look at, is that realistic for you as a couple or do you need to go out further? Is it 18 months or is it 24 months? Like, what is your realistic number to get there? Or are you willing to say, well, you know what, we still want to get married within the year, um, so we might borrow. So do we need to apply for a loan? Will we get approved if we go for the loan? etc. And also getting your loan and the timing of that is really important because if you go for a loan on day one, you're going to have to start paying it back from month two. And that could be 500 a month, 700 a month. I don't know. But it's something that you will have to factor in. Or some of you might be in a you know, very lucky position where parents might make you know, some form of contribution. And that's great. A lot of couples have the um, assumption that they would be able to pay for majority of their wedding after the wedding happens. That's not the case in Ireland. Majority of vendors will want to be paid before your day. Um, some are on the day or there might be outstanding balances of a minor amount on the day. But you will find the likes of venues. They could be anything from a month to two weeks in advance. So you will have to have the funds ready to go. So don't rely on your gifts, your cash gifts to to fund your wedding. Um, so just to bear that one in mind. So finding out an amenable target for you. And look, we have to be realistic as well. So many couples at this stage, they could be renting, they could be paying mortgage. So to be paying, to be trying to save between your about €2,000 a month is going to be pretty hard for some couples. And um, so it's just really to give yourself the airspace for that. The next is to start thinking about, are we going, what type of ceremony are we going to have? Are we going to go civil? So non-religious, you know, do something that is absolutely non-religious and um, is a lot quicker, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or, you know, have we set our, our sights on Catholic or whatever religion church, because that's what we visualized in our mind. I tend to find couples fall out a little bit over this because some are really, I really want to get married in a church. This has been my dream. And it's really part of, you know, how I want to bring up my family versus I'm an atheist. I do not want to do that you know, and then you sometimes find that there's, there has to be some form of compromise. So again, you want to get that laid out on the table. 
and as well just to bear in mind then that you probably need to then consider at the same time as you start to secure dates across venues you'll need to start thinking about okay can I get somebody available on that day to marry me um, are we going to have to travel to a church or is this something that can be done on site where we want to do and actually you know does our venue criteria need to have somewhere to allow us to get married so that's the next thing the next is time of year so time of year for if you haven't been in the wedding industry is about weather. It's about what's got the least likely chance of rain or actually we really want a gorgeous winter snowy wedding. So but one thing that you need to understand is that actually seasonality plays a huge part in your pricing. So the higher the season, the higher the demand, the higher the price, the higher the minimum number requirement. So, for example, if you were thinking of a Saturday in February, we'll say, you will probably find that it could be anything from it could be anything like 30 euro less per head um, for that date. And your minimum number requirements might be at least 20 to 30, 40 people less than what it would be for a Saturday in August. Right. So this is what this is what we need to understand, because so many couples say, oh, we want to get married the bank holiday weekend in August. And then they see the price. And it's like, Jesus, when actually when you look around. April, there could be a huge amount of value in April. There could be a huge amount of value to go to October and so on, or even coming into a Thursday. And there's a huge amount of queries coming into me about, oh God, you know, midweek, it's all that the venue that I really want to get married in have left. What do you think? I actually think not a bother in all of my time doing wedding coordination. I have never, ever seen a midweek wedding where it wasn't a full house from everyone that they've invited. Yeah, you get drop off, but you get that on a Saturday too. And those who really want to be there are there. Is it inconvenient? No more so than it is to get married on a Friday. You still need to take a day off on a Friday. You might take a half day on, on a Thursday to go get whatever done. It's no different. A Monday's ideal because people have the day off before and you, they can stay the night before and then they're off the next day and so on. And so I do appreciate that, that there is that little bit of more coordination. But, you know, there's much better value to be had. And there was one couple I looked at um, the cost saving on their wedding and it was coming in at nearly six and a half grand to go with a Wednesday over Friday. And it was a no brainer, even though the Friday was available for them. They went, yeah, we're going to go midweek. Feck it. And, you know, so be it. But that may not be right for you. But seasonality, you just need to really think about. So if you are thinking in dead set and you see, you know, summer wedding, stunning just bear that one in mind that you're probably going to be paying high the season if you don't have the budget and you still want that time of year think about shoulder dates and shoulder dates are those days surrounding the weekend dates they might be just a little bit more cost effective and hey we're in the summer people are well used to taking annual leave during that the next is your style so now we kind of have an idea of, you know, the volume of people we're going to have. Is it church? Is it a civil ceremony? You know, what season is it in? Now it's trying to think about the style. So when you place yourself in your in the likes of your venue or your dress or your suits, is there a reoccurring theme here? Like, is it a castle you see in the backdrop? Is it a country house with these big, extensive lawns? Is it on the beach? Is it home or is it away? Is it actually going abroad? You're going to start thinking about, you know, is this more barn, rough and ready, rugged, DIY? You know, what is it that's in your mind? Because you could have been on the scene now going to a lot of weddings between friends and going, do you know what? I don't want that. I actually want something completely different, something that is just not a wedding setup. I want something polar opposite to that versus, do you know what? I see myself in a very contemporary venue 
we're going for a black tie wedding and it's going to be New Year's and this is the backdrop. It has to be crystal. It has to be opulent. Great. OK, so now you have that kind of that look and feel. So when you're shopping around for whether it's your dress, whether it's your venue, you start to think about the style and how all that starts to sync together. So already before you've even gone anywhere, you've started to narrow your choice based on the end result, the visual that you want to create and the space that you saw yourself in. And this is a really important piece because you could have you could end up shopping around a million venues and they're all so different. Whereas if you know, look, I really want contemporary or I really, really, really want a castle, then you only need to focus on castles. And fair enough if you get to one to two castles and go, you know what, this isn't for me. I actually want something a little bit more bright and breezy. Great. Then you've you've actually saved yourself a bucket of time rather than confusing yourself around all these different types of stature and, and, and structure. So that's that's another piece. Then going back to those things I called your non-negotiables, these are your individual preferences. So you're putting it down and saying you have your top preference. So that could be a band. It could be a particular song. It could be a dance color cart. Doesn't matter. Just get it down on paper. Right. So by the end of this exercise, you should have some sort of vision of what you want. So first of all, we want a wedding of no more than 140 people. We want it in the summer. It has to be on a coast location. Max, we're only going to travel 20 miles from home. Right. And that's as far as we're going to bring guests from. We want relaxed summer vibes. We want an outdoor civil ceremony. Great. OK, so now all of a sudden, when you start to go into the ring to start thinking about booking things and shopping around, you now know what it is you're looking for, because when you go in not knowing what you're looking for and turning up to showcases and doing all those different things, those coordinators and those wedding specialists, it's very hard for them to help you and give you the right streamlined information. What ends up happening is you get information overload because they're trying to cover all bases with you. Whereas if you can go to them and say, this is what I'm looking for. This is the season. This is how many. Da, 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 da. You can get your, your package then layered specifically for you, number one. And number two, if you know early on, do you know what? That price doesn't work for us. Then at least, first of all, you have one price to focus on whereby you can go back then to that supplier and say, look, now we see your one price. What are the alternatives? So rather than being given all the layers up front, what you're getting is a baseline to then allow you to layer. And this is where the overwhelm kicks in. You get too much information thrown at you very early on. So by doing this exercise of just sitting there, shooting the breeze, chatting it back and forth, getting an idea in your head. Once you start to get those ideas in your head, jump into Pinterest, go Google it, start looking at look and feel to confirm your, 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 your vision you then have given yourself so much time back to say, this is who we are. This is what we want. Done. Another really big thing is, right, and it's all about decluttering your mind. Keep your ideas between yourselves. At this early stage, I would strongly advise for you to not go out to public committee on what you think you might do, because these ideas are not fully baked at this stage for you. You're just thinking out loud. And what you tend to find is everyone's an expert and everybody rightly so wants to be part of your day. So there's no bad intentions here, but people can't help. Oh, I wouldn't do that or I did it this way and I did it that way. You don't need to know that. This is where you find your own way and make your own, own decisions. So just try and keep it between you. Thinking about the funds, 
and having those conversations about, okay, how are we going to move forward over the next year? Like what sort of lifestyle are we willing to have to allow this wedding to take place? So these are just the few things. And this is all that first stage. So you haven't even lifted a phone to anyone, right? This is just that stage where you are coming together going, right, this is the outline. The next stage, okay, and this is step two. This is where we start to shop around, right? Now, I've already touched on a little bit of this around shopping around. Now, this is where you're going to start off. The first thing that you're going to get before you do absolutely anything else is you need to understand what dates are available for you and can you afford it, right? So brilliant, right? So once you've got all of that definition, you're then going to start your outreach and start researching venues that match the criteria that you're looking for. So, for example, castles, you know, castle weddings within Leinster, castle, castle weddings within Munster, right? So whatever it might be, you start filtering your searches and don't worry about big, big bodies of search that you're going to do. You're constantly narrowing your focus. How many venues should you visit? Who knows? It's completely up to you. How long is a piece of string? What you want to be able to do is always make sure, and this is my thing, is like whether it was in my jobs, anywhere I worked, I was always taught when I'm buying something, always get three quotes. And I would really strongly advise you to do that for your wedding as well. So at a minimum, do the rule of three. Look at three, get three quotes, make sure that you can compare them like for like and have your pros and cons outside of price because sometimes it's not all about price, Right. And we'll come back to that. So first of all, you may look at a venue and they may turn around and say, right, for the time you're looking at, that's going to be 99 euro per head. You've got 100 people. Great. 10,000. And that's without hitting anybody else or any other other pieces of your wedding. Right. So what we have to try to think about is, OK, is that within our budget? So what we said we could save for within the next 12 months, does that price per head match? Or actually, no, we've got plenty of leg room. That's great. We can still, you know, have at least a decent dinner at least four days a week. Great. The next thing is you want to start looking out for a couple of different things, right? So when you go to shop around, you're going to be given, you know, a package quote. It's very important at those points that you ask the different questions around, are there any other possible things that could come up on a bill if we were to go with you. And the reason I say that is there are certain things that are not always scripted in the packages because maybe the venue don't know exactly what it is that you want or what you have a requirement for. So that could be a bar extension. That could be if we want to do a Prosecco toast drink, whatever it might be. What you want to get is what are all of the potential costs that we could end up paying? couple of things you want to look for, particularly if you're going for exclusive venues. Do we have to pay for any rooms that are not taken on the night? All of these different things. You need to get a final number. Plus, really pertinent at the moment is to ask, are we subject to price increases? Or what we agree here today, this package price that we're signing, that we could be potentially signing up to, is that what we will pay for our wedding in a year and a half's time? You need to understand whether you are going to be subject to if the, in the eventuality the prices go up, are you subject to that? Now, also remember. Every single thing you go to look at for a wedding is going to be wonderful, beautiful, exciting. You're going to deal with really lovely people because that's the nature of our industry. But you're also going to deal with beautiful visuals. You're going to deal with it's so much beauty. 
right? Because that's what weddings are about. And you can get so excited and make impulsive decisions. Always go and sleep on it. The luxury with a lot of venues is that you can provisionally hold dates for up to two weeks without any committing. And you can let that date go if you do not decide to go with that venue. So don't necessarily start dishing out the deposits. But when you go to shop around, key thing is go and visit the venues, look up the reviews, Google reviews, weddings online reviews, wherever the reviews are. Um, understand who they are, what they are, what other couples thought of them. Get their pricing down. Make sure then you've got that on your spreadsheet or on paper where you can compare like with like across other venues. Make your pros and cons list about every single venue because there's never always just all pros. There, there's always some form of trade-off and that even could be, well, it's going to cost us an arm and a leg or, you know, we weren't keen on that wedding coordinator, whatever, right? Just get it down on paper because when you get to which one will we go with, you, what you want to be able to do is say, one, this one was better by, by paper. It's 100% my top on paper, as they say, or what you want to do is validate your decision for the one that you're going for. So, for example, if you do decide to go for the one that was that little bit more expensive, but your pros, you've got a lot more pros than you do cons, then you know, do you know what? I'd rather pay the extra for these few things. And that way you don't get buyer's regret. I cannot even begin to tell you the volume of DMs I get around buyer's regret. People that booked things really early in their excitement and then, you know, six months out from their wedding, do you know what? I really wish I didn't book them. What do I do? And I did that myself. I bought the wrong dress <laughs> because I didn't think of my own big vision. I bought a dress that had no place in a summer garden wedding. So look, these are the, these are the things, right? So just shopping well and trying your best. And I know it's so hard, but trying your best to take the emotion out of the decision um, because we do get carried away with the beauty. OK, now also to remember, there is a huge demand for weddings over the next year to three years. And um, there is very little room for negotiation that there used to be. Um, so just to bear that one in mind and also. <sighs> I'm getting asked a lot about average prices for this, that and whatever. There is no average price, right? So the average price is what's specific to the criteria you're looking at, your set. Because how can you say the average price of an exclusive castle is the same as, you know, a three star operating hotel that has multiple routes of revenue that come into the hotel? They're just not built at the same thing. So there is no average price. The average price is what's specific to you. OK, and also really, really, really big important factor is due to a lot of pent up demand. And obviously there seems to be an engagement boom. There is huge demand for weddings between now and the next three years. So that means that because there's a lot of demand, there's less room for negotiation. You used to be able to barter and, you know, get people to price match and do an awful lot of that. And while there is still an element of that, and a lot of venues do do that, it is very, very hard to get your price down. And generally, the price that's there is the price they hold. Now, there are things that even if they don't price match or do whatever like that, they might throw in some added value. So always try and push. And it might even be, you know, extra canopies, extra reception drink, you know, better in your pocket than theirs, right? <laughs> Especially when you're paying all that money. Always ask. You don't ask, you don't get but also when you are shopping your, your, your three suppliers, and this is really when you start to get down into specific talents around 
makeup, hair, photography, videography, you know, judging certain things on paper is not always viable because talent is a very, it's something you can't really put your hands on. It's not the most tangible of things. So price of doing direct comparisons across, you know, a suite of photographers, unless their work is at a similar level, that's a really difficult one to do. So going to one photographer over another and saying, well, this photographer is giving me that, they might be able to turn around and say to you, well, to be honest, I'm award-winning and I've got five years on them and I've been specializing in weddings and da, 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 da. So they're not always the same thing. This is more around, you know, the venue side of it. Um, if you have specific budgets, you should talk to your supplier. Look, this is my budget. This is what can you do within that? And that's a hard line. Great. That, that's it. So once you get to the stage where you've picked your supplier and you are really happy with your decision, you've thoroughly, you know, checked them. When you think back to your big picture, they completely meet the criteria. It's all good. Now you get into actually handing over deposit and signing your contract. Now, one of the big fallouts during COVID was um, people did not really read their contracts when they signed them. And that became a problem and a lot of hysteria and lack of, I suppose, lack of coordination and a little bit of chaos. I would advise you to sit down with your coordinator and or your supplier and go through their policies line by line. Right. Don't get me wrong. Some of these could be pages long. Isn't it better to know exactly what's it, what are the containments in that? Like even down, there's so many couples that didn't realize, okay, if our num- minimum numbers were 120 and now we only want to bring 80 and not, they didn't really realize that there was going to be, you know, there was going to be implications to that. Um, and also there could be, we changed our mind. We did this, we did that. Your contract is there really to protect both yourselves and your venues. Now, there are probably certain things in a lot of venues that, you know, you could dispute and that's fine. But this is your opportunity that if there's something within that contract that doesn't stack up for you, it's having those open conversations to say, well, look, this doesn't really suit us. The contract can be that final stage where you realize that actually, you know, you know, aesthetically and price wise, this venue works for us, but actually in the event of it doesn't and so on. And also one thing to note, deposits are different from booking fees. OK, so both are non-refundable, but sometimes with the deposit, they can be transferable depending on the on the, the supplier's policy. But with the booking fee, what a booking fee applies is, is that that fee is a, is a cost of a service that goes into processing your physical initial booking. Therefore, it is completely non-refundable. So if you change your mind, that's gone because that booking fee terminology implies that you've you've got a certain amount of work done already. So just to bear that one in mind. And also, the key thing is with your contract is that you just ask, there's no stupid question, right? That's really important to know is that there is no stupid question. This is new to you. And while you have been, you know, really good doing your homework, et cetera, and we know that the suppliers have been doing this for a long time. They do it in their sleep. You are now taking on a role to a certain degree. It's not only bridegroom about to be married, but you're doing an event planning job. So what's really important is that you understand everything and you know exactly what way the wind goes and what the policy is. Get everything in writing. If you have somebody in your, you know, that your workman says, well, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And I'll put in a second shooter on the day. Get it in writing. 
if they say, okay, yeah, do you know what? Don't worry about that. I'm going to throw in that, that bottle of Prosecco, get it in writing, right? Because what tends to happen is you could be getting married in two years time, one year's time. And personnel can change over the lifetime of your wedding. That's not surprising. In particular, hospitality, people move around quite a lot. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing about the venue. It just means that people move. They change jobs. They move up. They move out. They do whatever. So what you want to make sure is that everything you have on your side is boxed off and not just the financial agreements, the other things, the cushioning, like, yeah, you will have a ramp for my Aunt Mary's wheelchair going in. Or, yes, we can do our speeches before the meal or whatever it is. Right agreements need to go in writing. So just make sure you either have an email trail or it gets written into your contract. So that is really the kind of the laying of the foundations. And as I said, over the coming weeks, we're going to specialize and talk through then specific areas from everything, you name it. And look, the list is endless. I'm really, really excited because there's so much that I want to really talk about, even down to aesthetics, you know, people getting, wanting to get, you know, all of different facial treatments, fillers, lose weight, whatever it is. I just want to talk about it. So I'm really looking forward to the upcoming season. The next one up is going to be about venues because that's our next port of call. And we have so much to follow after that. So please subscribe to stay tuned and to stay on top and stay in the know. And if you've any specific requests for particular topics to cover, please DM me on Instagram. It's on Irish Wedding Blog. It has been an absolute joy. I'm sorry you had to listen to me bang on for the last while. I hope it's of value. I hope it saves you a bit of money and a bit of trauma and you get to book the way you should with no complications. And also, if you need further information in my shop on my website, I have downloadable templates for your spreadsheet. I've got your countdown timelines and also my book is available both digitally from $4.99 and on hard copy from $15.99. So guys, go forth, plan your wedding. And I look forward to hearing all of your success stories. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to Real Weddings with Sarah. Thanks to producer Ruth Devaney, voiceover extraordinaire Phil Colley, and Pink Champagne Wedding Band for our Cool Finds jingle. Join me next week where we will be chatting to another top guest to get the scoop about their wedding day and married life. Until then, you can find me at Irish Wedding Blog on social media channels.